is going on youtube welcome to the wind daily sports pga Draftcast. i'm david bliski aka deep dive golf and these two clowns are spence tee off sports byron model maniac i don't know what's going on as spence jumped on i was like why is kanye west on our podcast next minute byron turns up with some sort of green screen setup uh, with the back nine bets logo, the wig, the glasses, it's absolute chaos. Um, but big, big tournament this week, Worldwide Technology Championship, and uh, brand new course to dive into this week. And um, pleased to be here with my fellow golf expert, Spence and Byron. Um, Spence, how are you doing this week, mate? I'm doing well. I haven't decided exactly what I am right now. I, I'm one of three things. I'm either a poker player, which is the standard one, I'm a disgruntled Jets fan, which I think that would make two of us on this show. I'm in hiding right now. Or maybe I've just gone full out where I'm Aaron Rodgers, my darkness retreat, ayahuasca. That's maybe what we're going to go with for this show. Or fourth, you can be Kanye Jets. Yeah. <laughs> Kanye Jets, I, I do like that. I do like that play. Hey, um, Byron, how are you, buddy? It's been a, a big week in sports for you, and I expect that I'm going to get a hard time given the the shrine to South Africa that I'm seeing in the, the background there. Yeah, Dave, you know, the last time I was on a show with you, you said that uh, being a Jets fan is a, is a horrible situation. Yeah, we sit point three as Spencer's, you know, ripping our brand, and the last thing we saw was South Africa winning the World Cup in rugby, beating New Zealand. So, you know, things could not be going worse for you and things could really not be much better for me. So everything is good in the world. We had to draft some awesome, I mean, there's like three good guys in this field and then we'll go from there and then see where that takes us. But looking forward to a fun time with you guys and um, thanks for having me on the show again. You know, we're happy to be here. That's awesome, mate. Yeah, no, look, I did. I gave you gave you a hard time as is, you know, we've got a great uh a great rivalry going on between uh, New Zealand and South Africa over the years. Um, crazy to think now it'll be 24 years since the Rugby World Cup has gone to a country other than South Africa or the All Blacks, which is um, probably not great for the game of rugby, but has been um, pretty good for the rivalry between those two nations. And uh, look, let's not talk about the, the game or the referee or the results or some of the decisions that went on because at the end of the day, uh, the All Blacks, unfortunately, did get beaten by one point going down in the final. So um, for all you Americans, if you want to come see some big hits, rugby's the place. There's no pads. There's no helmets. Um, but there are lots of red cards if you make minor contact with somebody else's head. So um, bear that in mind. Um, but exciting week this week. Yeah, Worldwide uh, Technology Championship. Still in Mexico, but a brand new course. Of course, used to be held in Mayakoba. Live Golf would come in and put an end to that, which is a real shame because my Cope is such an iconic course and was a real highlight of the season, even though it was always an alternative event and a slightly weaker field than we'd see on the regular PGA Tour season. Um, the course was absolutely stunning and um, obviously a shame that, that Live Golf and the Saudi money's come in and bought that off them basically and bought the rights to use that exclusively for the next few years. But we get to dive into a brand new course and the first time that we've seen the Tiger Woods design on the, the PGA Tour, which will be interesting as well. So the man for the course breakdown is always Spence. What you got for us this week? So I think it's very important when we look at these courses that we don't have statistical data on uh, to maybe not be so concentrated into certain areas here so 
like the answer I would give to that is I think a lot of people have taken on some preconceived notion of how this tournament's going to play. I would rather look and try to find corollary comp courses over anything that you can find on the reverse of that answer. Like I looked into how golfers have performed when given fairways that are 50 plus yards in width during past examples. I think that's a much more impactful answer than pure length. Uh, there's going to be considerable elevation that helps everyone here. I still think it's highly conducive that anyone with length will get an added advantage, but um, it, it kind of just comes down to that answer across for the board for me here. Like I, I want to look how somebody's performed on wide open tests. I want easy scoring conditions, how somebody's performed there. These fast fairways that you're going to have turf here, these slower pass ball and sticky greens, the windy conditions, all of those answers for me were kind of more of the, the route I took than the straightforward penciling in of anything else there. And I know David, you wanted to talk about some courses that you thought were comp courses to this one. But um, I, I think that mixed with kind of this mentality that I'm taking here is more of the way to go than trying to say, okay, this is a distance course with long iron proximity that's needed. Like we don't have any statistical data to pull from. I can find courses that I expect to play a certain way, depending on the makeup of it. But I don't necessarily want to get like pigeonhole myself into a corner here to where I can't get out of it. Yeah, and I think that's a really valid point. I think especially if you're playing in large GPPs, I mean, we can take our best guess and do our analysis of what the course is going to pay like. But, you know, for example, we're looking at length and we think that, you know, with the, the fairways are averaging 60 yards in width, sometimes getting up to like 100 yards in width, depending on the hole. Um, and there's literally zero rough. You know, we suspect that driving distance is going to play a really big factor here in terms of our analysis. But then the fact that there's no rough, say it's super firm and the ball's just running out um, absolutely everywhere, you know, that fairway may end up playing a lot um, a lot thinner uh, and narrower than um, perhaps expected, right? So it's not a bad idea if everyone's taking that narrative that you build a few contrarian lineups to what we expect the course is going to play. I mean, would that be something you'd suggest Byron as well to approaching this week? Yeah, I think just keeping it pretty simple from a betting side, you know, you want to go distance, long irons, good putters, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, obviously when it comes to DFS, you want to try and be a little different in the big GPPs. And there's there's always guys that just pop it off the tee and take care of business elsewhere. So there's always always ways to get different and we'll we'll try and do a good job of highlighting those players as we go along. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, look, I mean, the narrative is often the narrative for a reason and it tends to be pretty good, but uh, so I'm not suggesting that you build every single lineup contrarian. Like I think you should still stick to what the analysis says and what we suspect is going to be the case this week, but it's not a bad idea to say, make 10% of your lineups completely different, built on a different narrative, built on something we're driving actually perhaps is weighted a little bit heavily or where, um, you know, we, we just come into play a little bit more than just say long irons because if it is extremely firm and everyone's finding the fair way, they're all getting a huge huge amount of um, rollout. You know, there may actually be more medium short irons than long irons that come into play here as well. So I, I do think it's worth putting a mix in there. What courses were you guys using as comps? Yeah, so, so I'll throw it to Spence first, and then I'll um, I'll yeah. go through my list as well. So this is the answer I always give. I'm not necessarily a comp course person with it. I more so try to find specific intangibles from every single venue uh, from what the course looks like and pull from there. So I'm not necessarily pulling from one course over another. Like An answer I would give is I am trying to find golfers who have found success when fairways are 50-plus yards in width. 
historically on it rather than pinpointing one course where that's the answer. And that's kind of my blueprint in general for this tournament. So I, I found six or seven corollary things that I know without a shadow of a doubt, like obviously we don't know what the winning score is going to be. I can tell you what Vegas has the winning score as at the over under I see 23 and a half at most books. We're expecting a birdie shootout. I want to see how somebody performs on easy scoring courses. I want to see how somebody performs in windy conditions. I want to see how somebody performs on this Paspalum type coastal uh, resort style venues with it. So um, that's not necessarily pointing me in the direction of one course. I'll let David answer uh, that question there for that. But I'm more so kind of just trying to find the, the brunt of the answer based off of those answers that I've just given. Yeah, look, I, I think that's a fair point as well. Um, the the past Marlin comes into play for me. I mean, it's such a unique grass type, right? And we see it so rarely on the PGA Tour. Um, so for those who don't know, past Marlin is like this really like sturdy, dense grass. And the reason why it's used on these type of courses is where it's really hot and humid. And then also with um, co co coastal kind of um, vibes, right? Because it's a lot more um, tolerant to salt so it will survive a lot more in these type of conditions right where you're getting a lot of sea breeze there's a lot more salt in the air it's a lot more salt in the soil um so the grass can survive and it does tend to be a little bit stickier the greens tend to be very very slow a lot slower than you see um certainly than like bean grass which is going to run a lot more pure um and, and because of that you do get these kind of like core specialists right who just like can be dreadful mm -hmm. the entire year. And I be I mean like missing like 12 cuts in a row, turn up at somewhere which is a pass balling course and finish third. Right. And that's that's where I think you can get really uh, interesting this week in terms of targeting some of those guys who just have like dreadful records everywhere else. They look like they had zero form and they're gonna show up this week and turn up and be tenth. Um and so for me, some of those past Parliament courses, I think the Port of Rico Open's a really good guide, Grand Reserve um, course there, which is, again, it's based on distance, but also past Parliament, tropical um, course there. Um, then we've got the Punta Cana, I think, is another really good guide. Driving distance putting has always been really good there. It's a birdie fest. We're going to see, uh, I suspect, I'd definitely take the over on that 23 and a half. I think it's going to be more like 28 under um, is <clears> what I'm I'm predicting here. So I do think we're going to get a very low score. And again, it's pass balling throughout at Punta Cana. Then Vedanta Vallarta, the Mexico Open. Um, so another Mexican course, but again, driving actually was really big there. Um, long lines were really big there as well. And then putting, again, it was a, was a massive like resort style shootout kind of course. I don't think Bermuda Championships your worst comp. Um, driving dis distance is a little less effective there than the other courses, but again, it's a tropical course, Paspalum, and um, tends to be pretty low scoring there as well. Um, for the guys who have qualified for the tournament champions, I think that plantation course is probably the best comp that you can use. The thing is, is with this field, right, it's an alternative field. You're tending to get weaker players. How many have actually won a, a tournament on the PGA Tour and then gone on to play at plantation is pretty, 39. pretty low. <laughs> yeah, not not yeah. many. And so with, with Plantation, well, the benefit of that is that, as Spence said, there are some elevation changes at this course. There are holes where you're going to raise 40 feet, or sorry, 40 yards um, throughout the hole. Like, there's a lot of elevation changes. Everything's at sea level, so it is going to play the full length. Um, but Plantation also has that mix of really wide fairways and huge greens. Green size here is over 8,400 8, square feet, so they're absolutely massive. Um, and then on the DP World Tour, I think you can look at a couple of courses like Yas Links and Abu Dhabi Golf Course, um, both past Balam 
coastal courses um, and you're going to get that grass type form from there. And Marco Simone as well, which um, tends to have, which was the host of the Ryder Cup, which has extremely large green complexes as well um, and is very, very heavy on the, the driver as a performance. So if you want to get a little bit different, I think you can look at some of those DP World Tour players um, who have been across and then moved over to the PGA Tour, look at some of the courses where they've played really well, and then that can be a good link in this week. Now, onto the draft. So for the format, standard snake draft here. So we're going to pick one through four and then back through four through one. Um, so on the turn, you will have the double pick. Um, if you're on position four or one, got to fill in six golfers, got to stay within your salary cap and unique to the show that the audience get to draft a team against the experts. They've been doing really well uh, recently, but unfortunately we have snagged one of their resident experts in having uh, Byron on the show. However, audience, you will be very, very pleased to know that Byron is a man of the people and he's actually awarded the audience the first pick tonight, followed by Spencer, followed by himself, and then me on the turn in fourth. So we'll go ahead and bring the draft board up and the audience will be able to uh, begin putting their picks into, into the chat. Byron, though, while we're just waiting for the picks to come in, anything else that you'd say about the course or anything that we're kind of failed to mention? Like, I mean, I know you're you're a numbers guy, right? Like, you love your statistics. So, can you maybe like go through your weight rate, your weightings of like how much is your weight driving distance, how much your weight driving accuracy approach around the green and putting? Yeah, I typically keep about forty percent of approach play in my model, and then just kind of divvy it out how I expect proximities to go. And I think this this week is going to be a lot of 50, 150 yards and out. So that's going to be big time, you know, strokes gain from that range. Um, long iron players kind of like we'll get into a few of them here shortly. But that's one thing. And then driving distance, I, I ramped that up as much as I normally, you know, usually do in a, in a big long hitting tournament. And then pretty much eliminated all around the green play. I don't I don't see people having to chip and putt. I, on my part earlier, I mentioned we could see green irregulation rates like well into the 80s this week because these fairways are massive and these greens are massive. Like these guys are really good. Unless they really tucking these flags, it's going to be very difficult to, to kind of miss a green, right? Unless these guys are getting ultra aggressive. So that's one way. And then just, you know, just making birdies and par five scoring are, are a few other um, normal, normal weightings I've got in there. So nothing too crazy, just a little bit more distance than normal and a bit of emphasis on the long irons. Yeah, and no, I think that's a really good point. I mean, just like baseline scoring could be a really good stat this yeah. week, right? Like we just, you, you are going to need to, like if the score gets up to 28 under, I mean, that's an average of seven under per day, right? So like, I mean, you are going to have to go out and, and score pretty low. I, I don't know if we'll get to that that 23 under. I mean, look, the books always like set the lines pretty sharp. Like yeah. they, that's why they're bookmakers, right? They're not in the, the business of uh, trying to lose money. They're pretty good at taking money off the majority of people. Um, I just suspect that we'll get a bit, a bit lower than that. The the course's real defense comes from the wind and it looks like it's going to be pretty still this week. So like the, the fact that there's, there's no wind, um, a lot of those holes facing into the wind are just going to play a lot easier than perhaps um, they would usually expect got a couple of nominations but we're going to need a couple more names so if you want to name nominate a golfer chuck it into the the chat there and um we can start getting them uploaded into the the team there um otherwise we'll we'll end up picking one for the audience and um in which case i'll probably i'll give it to 
Byron to to make that decision. So we'll give it another sort of ten seconds for somebody to second uh, player there, and if not, we will um, chuck it into the spreadsheet. Going once, going twice, Byron Tagala or Aberg. We'll just do with what came yeah. through first and go with Tagala for the audience. Sahith Tagala. I mean, that could very well be tactical. I mean, if if Maniac takes Aberg and in third here, then uh, audience, you know who to blame. Um, Spence, thoughts on Tagala and his chances this week? I mean, this is a highly questionable route that we're going right now that somebody on this show is making picks for both teams <laughs> and is trying to make his team better in the process of it. So, uh, I mean, there's major question marks beyond anything else. Yeah, I mean, look, this wouldn't be the first time that a South African um, has received help from the, the referee, right? So uh, Byron, you know, getting getting a helping hand from me as the moderator of the, the tournament here um, by giving him a double dip on the, the first pick there. But in terms of the gala, I mean, look, he, he knocked off that win at the Fortinet, really low scoring, uh, sorry, high scoring um, contest. Uh, it, it, it was a booty fest. Um, he's finally got that win off his back. We've seen his propensity to go low and then keep staying low. He's a mix of long driver, but then excellent short game, really good putter, really good on the chipping. And driving obviously tends to be his weakness, right? We know that, that the gala can absolutely spray it off the tee um and the fact that um we don't think that's going to be that much of a, an impact this week is um is promising for his chances in terms of comp courses um 24th at the mexico open last year 22nd at the punta cana so nothing like outstanding but um also like nothing to for he's played in course comps that i i consider comp courses this week um four times he's made the cut every time so uh with that spence we'll move to you for the second pick of the draft I mean, I think I've made a miscalculation. I can barely see my screen right now with the sunglasses <laughs> I have on. And the one thing that I am noticing is every single time, like Byron has no body, but every single time <laughs> he moves, this green erection of his keeps getting bigger and bigger as he moves closer to the screen. So yeah, exactly. It's growing again over there. So uh, that might be because Obear is still sitting there and Byron has found a way to master the system here. I kind of want to take him for that reason. I don't even know if that's a player that Byron's on. I, I do know he's the most popular player, according to my model right now. But I, I'm going to go a different route. I'm going to take Bo Hostler. Um, This is a golfer for me where my math projected him 48 spots better with his recent weighted proximity than this long-term baseline that we're looking for. And it kind of reminds me of that Sahit the Gala answer kind of to just take us into that, back to that choice there. You know, when we saw him at the Fortinet, he was trending with the iron play. He ends up winning the tournament. I think Hostler has very similar mentality here. The upside marks are going to continue when we dive into his tournament leading 19 consecutive rounds of shooting par or better and his four straight top 30 finishes over the opening four fall events. He has top five grades for strokes gain total at accessible venues, expected par for scoring, recent strokes gain total. I think this is a really nice fit for him at a venue where if he's going to pick up his first win, uh, I haven't outrighted him on him. I got him at 30 to one. I know that's dropped a little bit in the space more into that 28 to one zone over the last 24 hours, but I think Hostler has real upside. Yeah, look, I mean, I've been on um, Hosler the last two tournaments. Um, he was included in in my picks over at Wind Daily Sports and um, on Twitter at Deep Dive Golf. So, I mean, obviously, I, I've seen mainly what's been happening with his approach, right? Like Hosler, we've known 
is a long driver. We know he's an excellent putter. And his approach game is generally the weakest element of this game, right? Like, and it was, it's kind of like almost a case of Wyndham Clark. Like, I don't expect him to go on the Wyndham Clark run, but extreme driving distance, excellent putter, can't hit his irons to save himself. And then suddenly he finds his irons and, and he goes on a run. And I, I do expect that's possibly what we're going to see from Hosler, um, especially in 2024. Um, two great results coming in the weeks that we tipped him. He was seventh at the, the Shriners Open, and then um, a couple of weeks later, he was second at the Zozo. And then, um, yeah, in terms of comp courses, 10th at the Mexico Open last year. That's his best result on those um, those courses. He has got a few mix, missed cuts in there as well, so do bear that in mind. But um, certainly not the worst in terms of comp course performance. Byron, what say you on Hosler? And then after that, I'll um, go into your first pick. Yeah, I'm just... I love where Bo's game's going right now, but at 9,900 bucks, I'm just not thrilled about what he gets up to when he gets to the top of the leaderboard when it's crunch time, right? Like, I think he's, that's my only reservation with him, especially at this price tag. I think, you know, you can get away with that a little bit when he's a bit cheaper, maybe in the sevens, in the eights, but the way he's playing, he's not probably going to be priced that way anyway in these kind of fields. So it's a bit of give and take in that department, but I can see where Spence is going, but, you know, in my opinion, I'm just going to just, let him have a good finish first where he can, kind of shows that he wants to hang around the top of the leaderboard when he's there. And then I'll then I'll jump on it. Hopefully it's not too late. But that's kind of my take on Bo. And then just to make the show a little little spicy, I'm going to go with Ludwig Aubert because, you know, you gave me the option to kind of hand him to myself. And as a result, I will be doing just that. Um, he's actually second in my model behind Cameron Young. So I don't really actually feel ultra comfortable about that but i really like what he's been up to lately and when you talk about length and accuracy and just ultimate ball striking at a course like this i mean does he not fit this profile to a t so we'll see what he can get up to also i think he's his opportunity to really win the tournament on the pga tour like tommy fleetwood and company really kind of gets better when he's out of america i think you know he, he won that the bmw championship pga there in, in europe and I think, you know, going to Mexico kind of gives him that kind of DP world to a feel, especially with the kind of field they're putting together. So I, I think the guys in ultimate form, Cam Young, I'll, I'm not going to pick him. So I'll talk a little bit about him. Maybe you pick him, Dave, but it's just, it just seems like coming back after such a layoff, it's what are we really going to be getting from the guy? He could absolutely blow up and just, you know, go shoot 30 under par because he can absolutely do that on a golf course like this. But I don't, I don't know where his game's at right now, so I'm going to go with someone that I've seen play a bit more golf recently. Yeah, look, I mean, I I, I think OB has just had such a stunning year. I mean, he's really yeah. burst on the scene this year, obviously. Um, he's clearly the class of the field. I, I'm probably the same as you, um, Byron. I, I much prefer him over Young this week. I think that his floor is just a lot higher. Um, I, I do think that that Cameron Young certainly has the, the ceiling. Do be careful this week as well. There's Cameron Young and there's Carson Young. So when you're drafting your, your lineups and you're suddenly like, hey, wow, they've got like 10K of salary left, it may be because you got the wrong uh, Young in your lineup. So do double check that as well. But yeah, of the, of the two, they've both got high ceilings. I just think that OB's um, floor is a lot um, higher than Young's. Like uh, if he doesn't finish in the top 20, I'd be quite surprised, to be honest, on a course like this um, where he's got, you know, a great opportunity to really let his class shine through. So scandal already in the first round of the PGA Draftcast, which is, uh, to be fair, pretty common. Um, that's generally the way that we roll. Um, and usually it's Byron at the centre of all that controversy. So once again, he's come to the party, uh, caused some drama, 
wouldn't expect anything less and this is this is what we come to expect on the the pga draftcast so on the turn i'm not actually going to go um up to cameron young i'm actually going to go um pretty middle to lower of the board actually and go and get some value um with my first two selections the first of those cameron champ 7800 second of those nate lashley at 7200 i think those are both um excellent value of the where they're priced so cam champ we know that he's an extremely long driver on the of the golf ball third longest driver on the pga tour this season thus far we also know what cam champ does cam champ comes out yeah. he'll miss 10 cuts he'll finish like 18th and then he wins a tournament he's done it so many times throughout his career all three of his pga tour wins have been done in that that regard on his recent starts he was ninth at the sanderson farms he was 18th at the shriners children's open i don't think the zozo is necessarily his best course fit so um his 59th year i'm not like reading too much into that either and then on course comps mexico open he's had a six he had an eighth in his two tries there so two top tens and two attempts and then at plantation um over in hawaii he's finished 11th 14th and 31st so obviously 31st in, in a small field not great but the 11th and 14th in a studded field like that shows where cam champ comes up to play so the guy loves past ballon courses he loves these tropical fits and he's um you know showing those trending kind of form lines that we usually expect to see cam cameron champ display just before he comes out and pops off for a victory in terms of nate lashley he's in quietly good form without like stunning the world so I think that that's well worth noting. Uh, he's in his most recent eight tournaments, he's made the cut seven times out of all of those. Just missed the the cut at the Sanderson Farms, and then other than that, he's on a very very good run of made cuts there. On his course comps, that's really where Lashley just pops on past Balam. So Puerto Rico Open, he's played it three times. He's finished eighth, seventh, third. Plantation, he played it once. He's finished nineteenth. Then at Punta Cana, he's got a 4th, a 28th, 28th, and a 15th. And then at the Mexico Open, he's got an 11th and 39th. So it's like whenever you're on past Balam, like Nate Lashley is almost the king when it comes to those type of courses. I think at 7,200, he's massive value. And I think that a lot of people are like down on his form at the moment when he isn't actually playing all of that badly. What say you, uh, Spence? We'll jump to you first. I like the Nate Lashley play. I was probably going to go in that direction myself to open up a little salary. The only concerns I have with Cameron Champ, and I seem to be on my own little island here this week. I mean, I think he's the most popular outright that there is in the space. I understand the distance argument. I understand this uh, coastal answer, the Mexico answer, the Paspalum. Like, there's a lot of top 10 finishes that he's put together in a very limited sample size of golf. I just think he's a very boomer bust golfer still. I'd like to see where his ownership ends up residing before I I really make a decision one way or another with it. Uh, I have a head-to-head bet against him. I mean, I think that's something worth noting. I think the upside is there if you're shooting for the moon and the ownership is right. I do think that the floor is a little bit lower than expectation, though, just because he is getting a boost in a lot of people's eyes for this distance answer. And when I look in my model on courses that have easy-to-hit fairways, he actually has a negative regression in my sheet at those sorts of tournaments. So I don't know. I'm probably not going to get on him. I, I certainly understand why everybody in the space seems to be. I think that he has a lot of upside and it's kind of like the Luke list answer that I would give of a couple of weeks ago. I didn't play Luke list and he won the event and list had that same boomer bust nature to him, but I'm probably going to be sitting out with champ and I will be playing Lashley. 
Yeah, look, I, I totally agree. I think that he's got a really low floor. I, I, if Cam Jam came out and missed the cut, it also wouldn't surprise me whatsoever because, you know, as I said, as much as we know the way that he trends, right, he shows up at one or two tournaments, then comes out and wins, he could just come out and miss the cut, right? Like, it's like he's either on or he's off. So I totally agree on that that angle with him. I, I do think as well, you do have to be mindful of how you deploy him because ownership is yeah. very, very high on him. Um, I have him over 20%. I suspect that's where he's going to finish. Um, so he will be highly owned. Um, it's just how you're going to build the rest of that lineup around him. Can you find some other spots to get different? Because he certainly has the upside to, to go out and win. And I, I don't think that everyone else in that, like, 7,500, 8,000, dollar range has the outcome of like being able to go out and win this tournament so i I just want to say one thing to that very quickly because i think you bring up a good point there just because somebody's popular in any range doesn't mean that you you don't need to or you need to skip them like there are ways to get different just be cognizant of when you play him you probably don't want to use him next to all the other chalky choices and make a build that is just going to be too difficult like if champ is your guy this week go out and use him just get like varying different spots to go with it so i think that's a good point that you bring up i'm still not going to play champ but um i agree there's upside to be found there absolutely yep it's all about how you how you use the guy and what's the what's the narrative in terms of the rest of your lineup so byron any quick thoughts for you on champ or lashley and then um you can go into your second pick for your squad when i was trying to describe the course earlier i almost dropped cam champ's name so that was one of the names I had to like cut back on because I, I'm on an outright with him this week. And I think he's, he's not necessarily like the ultimate option this week. I think he's just great value on the betting market in the DFS world. I think his prices are just really appealing for everyone at a course that fits him really nicely. So if you're willing to take on that risky golden, um, Nate Lashley on these big greens, <clears throat> he's really good when it comes to three part avoidance, which I just noticed now he's like, pretty pretty elite in this field when it comes to that so that's something i think you can almost replace around the green with with just three putt avoidance on these massive surfaces and he just does that fantastically and obviously obviously everything else you mentioned is good to go um i'm going to roll out a guy that's also some solid value going third in my model he's the number one par five scorer in this field he's got lots of length i think spence is going to be very pissed when i take him yeah i'm already upset he's spence's guy so i'm going to take davis thompson for $8,300, you got the four par fives on this course. I don't think you can do well at a venue like this if you don't dominate the par fives. He's most likely going to do that this week. He's got incredible length. Um, He's played kind of nicely lately. I think there's a T16 in his recent form. So things like that are just kind of pretty solid for an $8,300 golfer in a field like this. So I don't mind my third ranked golfer, my model being an $8,300 golfer. So give me... Davis Thompson, put Spencer off and and save me some salary. Well, two controversial picks to start with from Byron. He's come in and he's insulted the All Blacks. He's talked up the South Africans winning the Rugby World Cup, rubbed that in my face. He's gone in, given the audience the pick so that he can take Obia himself in the third round, in the, in the first round. And then he's gone and stolen off Spencer and annoyed him. So um very typical of our guest byron model maniac i i don't know why we keep inviting him back um other than his uh, superb uh golf intelligence but spencer tell us why you love davis thompson so much this week you know there's a lot of players when we look at the fall season that are trending in the right direction obviously a guy like bo hostler would be one of those names and we've gotten some more upside from him than we would with the davis thompson here 
three top 35 finishes to begin the fall season. But I, I think Byron said it best. He's the number one projected scorer in my model on these par fives. He's gotten this boost historically at these easy scoring courses. Like, obviously, the answer is going to be, can he make enough putts to actually win the tournament? We saw it at the American Express. He went head-to-head -head against John Rahm, barely lost out there when he got to 26 under par. And really, the thing that I like most about him is that he's gained a minimum of 3.8 shots off the tee and approaching each start to begin this year. And then on top of that, he has a 26-spot improvement with his putter over the last 24 rounds. So if he's ball striking the ball and now all of a sudden he's making putts, it's a really dangerous combination for a golfer that has shown upside at these easier scoring venues. I would not be shocked if Davis Thompson ends up winning this golf tournament. thought that was one of the better values on the board at 50 to one when that opened up. Uh, really like the pick. It obviously puts me in a bit of a hole right now of what to do, but uh, this has just been a rigged draft from the very beginning. Yeah, it's an absolute mess. And I mean, that's all Byron's fault again, but um, that that's fun. Look, I think Thompson's really interesting play because of the quality of him. He's never had to really play a lot of these alternative, alternative kind of courses. He played the Puerto Rico Open back in 2020. I mean, that was very, very early in his career. He's still 21 years old. He missed the cut there. But other than that, he hasn't played on any of these other courses. So sometimes it's one of those cases of like, you just don't know, and then people just avoid him as a result. So I do think it's perhaps a little bit sneaky this week. Um, Spence, can we go in there and steal a pick from Byron and get your revenge in the second round? I mean, technically I haven't given Byron the pick yet, so I could just steal Thompson <laughs> from him and go that way. Um, I, I don't necessarily think I'm, I mean, one player is going to be very popular that I'm going to pick here. And then coming back, hopefully I can get the other one that will not be as popular. I'll go with the popular name first. Uh, obviously there's a lot of ownership that I've taken on with these first two names, but I'm going to take Callum Terran at 7,600. You know, for all I've talked about of distance, maybe not being the only answer here, there are certain golfers, Davis Thompson being one of them, Callum Terran being another, that that they've found they have found success on similar comp courses or similar statistical venues that I'm looking for. So easy scoring, he's eighth in my model. When I add those easy to hit fairways plus distance, he's 10th in my model. I think he has the distance that you're looking for. I think the weighted proximity numbers, while they're not exactly what you would want to see, he still has a 21 spot improvement inside of my model for this venue over a generic course. If the irons can be a little bit better than expected, uh, that is the player I was talking about when directly comparing him to Cameron Champ. I, I bet Callum Terran minus 120 over Champ. So uh, I'm going to go with him with my first choice. I know he's going to be one of the most popular players, but I, I think there's ways to get unique and different. Very interesting. I, I'm personally not on Taron this week. I, I have some concerns about the putter and his ability to consistently go low. We know that he can come out and shoot like an eight under. I just, I guess, I have some concerns whether he can maintain that pace for four rounds. He also hasn't got the greatest record on comp courses. Um, I mean, he's got one fifth at the Puerto Rico Open. Other than that, he's got three missed cuts, a DQ, and a 61st of the Mexico Open. So I guess that raises some concerns. I do agree, though, that Taron has lifted his game the last seven to eight tournaments. So there's always that, um, that you know, that he's got that swing in terms of his recent form. Byron, any comments from you on <clears throat> Callum Taron? I literally had Callum Taron highlighted on my screen when Spencer picked him because I was going to grab him on the back. And so is it a steal? Yeah, it's a it's a mini steal. I, I won't admit that it was a full-on theft because you can't steal from a stealer. But um, 
<laughs> it's it's a good pick. I'll definitely give him that. Okay. Well, there you go. Um, trying to play down the fact that he definitely got that pick stolen from him. Um, Byron there, it sounds like he's just trying to play it cool. But um, audience, got some nominations. Uh, it looks like we have locked in. Thank you to Zach Jeffers, Taylor Pendrith, and perennial favorite of the show recently, Eric Van Royen. Dude, I, I, you guys explained this to me. I don't know why the books just keep disrespecting Eric Van Royen at the moment. Like it's it's insane. This guy has been in the top hundred in the world golf rankings. He's got huge talent. We know he's got upside. He's killing it on approach. We know he's completely recovered from his previous injury, and he they keep throwing out like hundred and fifty to one, eighty to one. Um, the dude is in great form. He's just like consistently finishing top 25 or better he's got a great record of the dubai desert classic as well i'll throw that out there there's a really driver heavy course you have to go low it's windy it's coastal as well a lot of salt and sand obviously in desert areas so um he finished fourth there in like one of the best fields in the dp world tour yeah evr is a great play for me this week i just i don't know why they keep disrespecting him um spencer any thoughts on penrith and evr yeah, I think EVR is fine for the reasons that you mentioned. And and I like Pendrith. I'm actually surprised to see that his ownership's as high as it was. I, I When I wrote my Rotoballer article on Monday, I had him as one of my contrarian players to look for. I kind of compared him to the 1B <clears throat> of what Davis Thompson would be. Uh, both of them are coming in as very popular options, so I don't think you're necessarily going to get that ownership discount on Pendrith. But very similar games from both of those players where they have the distance and the improvement with easy scoring courses. So... I like what the audience has done to start their lineup. Like it's, it's going to be probably unique with the way that it's put together right now. I think when you start with the gala and while Pendrith is going to be popular, I don't see the ownership on Van Royen over the top right now. Like I have them at sub 10%. So it's a very unique build of three golfers that kind of have the prototypical skill set that you would want to see for one of these sorts of uh, venues out here. So I like what the audience has done to start. Yeah, I mean, look, Eric, Eric Van Buren as well, he's, he's gained in a big way on approach five um, tournaments in a row. And we all know that that's like just a key marker when it comes to your statistical analysis of a golfer is about to pop and just get the putter right. And um, he's going to come right as well. He's very, very strong off the tee. So um, Byron, I'll let Spencer have a little think about where he's going to go with his next pick and steal another one for you. But any thoughts on EVR Penrith? If you were between these two players, who would you put into your lineup? Yeah, I feel like EVR is just, you know, grabbing value at that price. Like you said, it's just you, you're immediately getting more salary to spend if you click his name first, right? So at 7400 bucks, you're getting incredible value. And like you said, it's it's so easy to expect the approach player to be there again this week like it has been for the last little while. And that's one of the most repeatable things on tour is ball striking. And he's just been sensational in that department. Get him on a different country, you know, feeling a little South African-ish, you know, down in Mexico and a nice little resort, I think you'll have a good time. Um, take, especially after the South Africa won the World Cup recently. You know, I think the spirits are high on the South African side of things. There, um, you know, there's no New Zealanders in the in the field, but definitely looking forward to the guys playing well. Uh, I love him. And then Kendrith, there's nothing. You know, I don't have a bad thing to say about him either. I think it's a pretty solid pick. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really nice of you to bring up the Rugby World Cup again in this draft cast. I really appreciate that. And, look, you make a good point on the South African courses as well, right? Like, they don't they have a little bit of past Palm courses in um, South Africa, but they do have a lot of Kikuya, which isn't the worst comp in terms of past yeah. Like, Kikuya is, like, a lot more similar to past Palm than, um, than past Palm is to, say, Ben Grass or Bermuda. So I think that's a, that's a good comp to look at as well. Spence, who are we putting in for your third pick and who are we stealing from Byron? I don't think this pick is going to be stealing from maybe anybody in this draft. I, I feel like I need to get away to get unique a little bit with this build that I have so far. There's a golfer that's made eight of nine cuts very quietly done. So because there's not very many top end finishes that have been thrown into the mix there, but really like the way that he sets up from this course, from a statistical perspective inside the top 15 of my model from an overall rank, I see him right now at sub 8% at 7,400. I'm going to take Nick Hardy. The, the putter has seen a massive improvement over his last 24 rounds. Top 10, as I talked about inside my model for strokes gain total at easy to hit fairways. Uh, he's eighth when you add distance to the mix to that answer. You give him these slower pass ball, sticky green textures. He jumps to ninth for me. And then inside of the top 15 also for distance and proximity. So I think there may be a little bit more safety here than the general public believes. I know the results have not been the high-end marks that we want, but I thought he was an intriguing bet at 90 to 1. I think he's an intriguing GPP play. And then to answer Edward's question, uh, no, I am not a Jets fan. I don't put myself through that sort of suffering. Instead, I'm a Raiders fan, which would be probably <laughs> even worse. And even where I'm a Broncos fan, I literally have my Denver Broncos oh my God. Before, before coming on to this show. So uh, so we're, in terms of NFL selections, pretty poor. Uh, in terms of golfing selections, pretty on fire. So Nick Hardy's sneaky, right? Like I think a lot of people are going to go to Chad Rainey there, um, who's the exact same salary and has got some very, very good form on um, tropical courses and past island grass courses as well. So I do think Nick Hardy's an interesting way to, to get different. And he hasn't been dreadful at these comp courses. Um, he's had a 22nd and 13th in his two most recent tries. And then a lot of that other form that he has has come when he's been at a different stage of his um, golfing career as well. So I think that's a really sneaky play there from Spencer and a great way to get different. Byron, what say you and how are we getting back at Spencer for stealing Taron off you? Yeah, so I've got Nick Hardy as the second best in Comcourse grading because he played fantastically at... LACC, which I have as another com uh, another comp, because I felt like those fairways really suit this kind of course we're going to be expecting this week. So sign us up for Nick Hardy on a course that's got wide open fairways. He played very nicely there. And like Spencer says, if you're going to be looking for someone to make a bunch of putts, Nick Hardy is your guy. He's gone. He's one of these dudes that I think last time this year, he was one of the best iron players on the PGA Tour. And now that's not even a thing for him anymore, but he's one of the best putters. It's like if he can just finally get some sort of combination of those two showing up on a course that makes him feel comfortable, I think you don't just lose that forever. It's there in you. You know, at some points it should pop up. So hopefully that does. I really like Nick Hardy this week. He's second in that um, department for me. So love, love, love him. But the guy that's first in my comp course grading is Chesson Hadley at $7,600. Guy balls out. In at Congaree, I've got another comp there for Congaree, and he's played fantastically there. And then I just took a look here. He's sitting at 122nd on the FedEx Cup points list. We know Chesson Hadley's a big, you know, the, the holding one to kind of keep his hopes alive when Justin Rose missed that shorty to give him 125th spot on the FedEx Cup points list. 
he is he's trending quite nicely when it comes to to playing good golf right now in this fall swing because he really hasn't had the chance to play fall golf trying to keep his card where that usually ended at Wyndham when he needed those heroics. So I think he's going to be looking to play some good golf. Love the concourse situation. And one of my favorite things about Chesson Hadley is the fact that he is 106th in the last 24 rounds around the green in this field. Take that pretty much out of the equation here. And we've got him as a really good, he's 10th in putting, right? So you put him on a putting surface instead of having to chip all the time, you know, uh, give me Chesson Hadley at 7,600 smacks. Yeah, look, I, I I do really like Chesson Hadley. He didn't make my betting card this week, but I was very, very close. He was on the shortlist. Um, I've tipped him previously at uh, Punta Cana, I believe, that I had him um, for the very similar reasons that, that Byron's just outlined. Um, he won the Puerto Rico Open in t- back in 2014, um, very, very early in his career. So there's some great pass by on form right there. He's also got a 16th there. Then at uh, Port Royal, which hosts the Bermuda Championship, he's finished 16th and 17th in two tries. And then at the Punta Cana, he's got a 13th as well. So pass by on form just like pops off the page for um, Chesson Hadley. As you said, around the greens, the weakest element of his game. We don't expect that to be a case this week. I mean, if you're missing greens here, there's bigger problems um, to your game than that. So I certainly really like the play. Spence, what say you on Chesson Hadley? I think there's a lot of players. Like, obviously, I took Callum Terran, so I also like him, and I'm going to use him. But I think there's a lot of players that are in that range, whether it's a Chesson Hadley. I try to say names that have not that are still on the board. I'll leave them off. But, like, a Nick Hardy, um, a Nate Lashley. I think there's ways to pivot off of Terran. I think Hadley's an intriguing way to do it. So I, I like the pick from Byron. I think that he's probably a top 15, 20 play for this tournament. Well, there you have it. I mean, we all like Chesney Hadley. So um, I'm not seeing too much ownership on him either. Like he seems to be like a little lower on than I would have expected, especially given he finished seventh last time out in, in Las Vegas. So um, bear in mind, he might be a way to get different. Um, I mean, ownership of these courses can really pivot a lot. So in the last 24 hours, make sure that you sign up to win daily, get into our Discord because um, our resident ownership expert, Stephen Pilati, will be dropping that in there. His ownership numbers are just absolutely fire. They're always supremely accurate. You can find some really nice pivot spots for you in there as well. We do actually have a promotion at the moment over at Windaily Sports, and it's only $9.99 a week. That's $10 off our usual weekly cost. That's the best deal we've had all year. does end on Monday. There's a link down in the description for you. But once you're locked in that price, as long as you keep your membership the same, you are locked in that price for the rest of your membership. So make sure that you jump in there and sign up to that promo because uh, that is a great way to get 50% off all of our premium content. So in terms of my next selection, um, Akshay Bhatia, again, extremely popular name, but I believe so for good reason. If Nate Lashley is the king of pass Balam, I would say Akshay Bhatia is quickly becoming the prince of pass Balam. He's finished 17th at the Bermuda. He was second at Puerto Rico, 24th at the Punta Cana, and then fourth at the Mexico Open, uh, just behind John Rahm there. So the dude's been absolute fire around these courses. Um, we know that he can go extremely low. He won at the Barracuda. Was the Barracuda? Well, it's a stable for tournament that rewards birdies and eagles. So if we're looking for a guy who can go out there and just shoot super low, Akshay Batia could well be your guy this week. So I'm very, very happy to take him there. I think his price point is fine at 9,200. Worth noting as well that he opened in the markets at 40s. 
came into 36s, 35s, 33s. Now he's down at 30s, same as Bo Hosler. So bear that in mind that his drafting salary price can't change, but his odds have moved in dramatically as the week has gone on. So do bear that in mind. There's a lot of sharp money coming his way this week, and I think it's the very, very good reason. For my next pick, I'm going to go further down the board. I'm going to take golfer Kelly Craft at 6,800. I think he's one of your better options in the 6,800 range. The guy has excellent pass balling form. Punta Cana, he's finished third, fifth, 14th, and 16th. At the Mexico Open, he finished uh, 15th in 2022 as well. Um, and then at Grand Reserve at Puerto Rico, he's got a 15th there. And he's just been actually hitting his approach much, much better. He's been a big gainer on approach his last two tournaments at the Sanderson Farms and Shriners. And he's coming in off a run of 25th, 16th, and 23rd. So he's in good form. He's got good comp course form on pass Balam. 6,800, I think he's excellent. Again, we tipped him up at 201 in the Wind Daily Premium Discord. He's since been cut into 125s in some places. So there's a lot of money coming his way too and um, he's been cut in quite deeply. Uh, so, Byron, any thoughts on Kelly Craft or Akshay Bhatia? Yeah, I think if you're playing Cameron Champ and Akshay in the same lineup in a GPP, you best have the rest of those guys be, like, off the map because that's going to be very popular, I think. Um, if you take a look at the tips chart that Golf Tipper or whatever on Twitter has, those are two of the biggest three-tipped guys. Akshay in my opinion as well, is a perfect fade opportunity in GPPs because he's boom or bust at these kind of venues, especially. I think, you know, the, the high upside is there, but he's also not playing very good golf right now whatsoever, you know. So you can show up to a place and get the vibes back, but he has mentioned he's been struggling a little bit mentally and, and all that kind of jazz. So if he's going to be high-owned, I'm easy to be, to get off of him. I've got my outright ticket on him, and I'll just leave it at that. And then, you know, I love Kelly Craft as a, as a great putter on these greens. You know, like if you're going to pick someone in the 6K range, have him have an elite trait and putting is one of them. So absolutely, Dave, you know, right there with you on Kelly Craft. Love, love, love that pick. What what line would you give me on Akshay Bhatia finishing in the top 20 right now? I would say plus 250, plus 200. Plus 200? Yeah. Would, do you want to hit? Do you want to have a, a side? I'm prop? not going to get suckered into that because it's probably going to happen. I've got him as a top five <laughs> for the week, but I'm just saying from a game theory perspective, that's the way to get out of it. You know, like I think I, I agree though. I do guys. think that he's got a lot of ownership coming his way, same as Cam Champ. I just think it's for a very, very good reason. I think I'm getting a little bit different with Nate Lashley and Kelly Craft there as well. So yeah. hopefully I get some pivot and some, some ownership discount there. And um, look, I, I do think Party is going to play very, very well this week. The terrible form that um that Byron alludes to his 43rd, 35th, and 21st in his last three tournaments. So I don't think it's been absolutely dreadful. Um, and he does love the pass balling courses yeah. here as well. Byron, fourth pick for you. Where are we going, mate? I'm going to go big, and we're going to figure out the rest from here. But Luke List, 9000 bucks. No one's got him right. I'm also, Spencer, these, usually the glasses I wear are prescription, and these are very tinted and very blurry. But <laughs> that leaves me, what, 69.50? All right. So... We're in the mix. I like, I've got a few guys I don't mind down in the bottom of the 6K barrel. If you told me Luke List would show up on a on my model and be 19th in putting over the last 24 rounds, I'd tell you you're living in a universe that looks like my suit. And that's not the case because he's been incredible with the putters since he's shown up on, on the fall swing. He's also one of the longest guys on tour. He's a really good birdie maker over the last 24 rounds. He's 9,000 bucks. 
You know, like the guy just won a tournament and he's had two top 25s in the other two starts. Like the guy's balling out and now goes to a course where he can just send it off the tee. So really like Lucas' chance this week, especially with the fact that his putters seems to be moving in the right direction. Hopefully that last round where he kind of lost a little bit in the last tournament, not that big of a deal, but I think uh, I like where old Luke is moving. I do too. Um, just so you know, one of the, the routes I was going to go for the last two picks would have included Luke List as one of those two selections. So nice. not nice. an official yeah. steal because I'm still looking at which option I would have gone with in terms of that combination, but certainly do like his chances this week. I agree that his butter's definitely been trending in the right direction, which for Luke List, we've known has been, you know, one of the worst putters on tour, the PGA Tour of all time for quite some time. He has been moving in the right direction in that regard. A lot of that has been on power, so I'll, so I'll just point that out. Um, but on the flip side, pass Barlam, slower kind of grass, right? Like it, it's not going to be as tricky to putt necessarily here as like very, very fast, like icy pink bent grass greens. And his concourses are good. Like Punta Cana, he's at an eighth. He was 11th of the tournament champions, 15th of the Puerto Rico. So he's got some good form of these other tropical courses with pass Barlam. Spence, any comments on Lucas? And then we'll, we'll go into your fourth pick straight off the back of that. I mean, I just, I don't want to spend too long on it just because we're running a long time right now. But uh, I, I will say it's amazing what Luke List has done with the putter recently. If he can putt to this level, I don't know if this is the best course for him. I kind of think of him more on on a venue where like 12 under par is the winner. I don't know if he can make enough birdies to actually win this contest. But keep an eye on Luke List moving forward in the 2024. Like we want to give the answer of a, a hostler and Obviously, we've seen it a little bit from Thagala recently. If these guys have made turnarounds with the portions of their game that were that ended up being a problem for them, Luke List has real potential. Like, I don't want to give the Wyndham Clark example just like you didn't want to, David, but uh there's there's real potential here for Luke List moving forward. Totally, totally agree. Where are you going with your fourth pick here, Matt? So there's there's one of two options I was considering, and I don't think, I mean, unless this goes really rogue for me down the stretch of how the picks go off the board. I'll name both of them. I, I don't think it necessarily hurts the show. I think Vincent Whaley is intriguing. I think Michael Kim is intriguing. I probably can only fit one of these two in with the way I'm going to round out this build right now, but I'm going to go with Michael Kim. I guess I'll trust my Mahler. I think either one of those two routes would be fine. With Kim, you get better driving plus proximity numbers. With Vincent Whaley, you're going to get a better weighted scoring kind of take it for what it's worth there, but I'll take Kim at 7,500. I, I think he's been very solid to start this year with back-to-back -to -back top 41 finishes. Yeah, I completely agree. I really liked Michael Kim this week. He was on my short list of players to include, mainly off the back of his Puerto Rico Open performances. He had fifth and the 16th there in his last two appearances at that tournament. So he has got some good pass balling form. And then, yeah, as you said, at the Shriners recently, he was 18th as well. So I do think that that's worth um, looking at. Bear in mind with the Zozo, right, it is a, it's a reduced field. This is actually why I didn't include him in my betting card, was the 41st at the, the Zozo is, is on a small field where you also get a lot of like Japanese sponsor invites being hosted in Japan. They get a lot of in entries into that tournament as well. So it's not necessarily the deepest field. And the, that was like just enough for me to sway actually to Vince Whaley over Michael Kim, but it was pretty close between the two of them for me as well. Audience, it is you on the clock. So do get drafting. And as X says, you can't steal from a stealer. Byron Logic, which I really like, um, as a comment there in the chat. So we've got some nominations coming in. So 
hopefully we see some seconds uh, very shortly from you all in terms of uh, golfers in there that you would like to draft against the experts. And as Zach said, try and steal from a stealer, which at the moment is primarily Byron, a little bit Spence. And I don't think I've stolen from anyone at this stage, um, but I'll try and do that on the, the turn if I can. Maybe, um, you know, Byron needs a, some discount guys, and I've got tons of salaries, so maybe I'll just shock him and leave like $5,000 on the table. <laughs> Who knows? Um, what have we got? Brent, welcome into the chat. You guys are on the clock. We've got Davis Riley. We've got Harry Hall from Zach. Audience, we need a second from you. Otherwise, um, I'll start picking for you. And I'll pick this time because I don't want Byron rigging this contest any more than he already oh. has. I thought we really established double. precedent here, Dave, but I think the audience is going to get their stuff in. Yeah, we got we got one. We got Davis yeah. Riley at least. So what does that leave us? About eighty one hundred remaining. Uh, Davis Riley, I really like. I think he's got huge upside potential. He's um, he's definitely got the the game. I mean, he came out and won this year. Interestingly, with Nakati. So if Spence likes Nakati this week, then perhaps you should also like Davis Riley this week as well. Um, there's an interesting link in there. But yeah, I do I do like his chances this week. Spence, while the audience is trying to think about perhaps having another golfer in their lineup, um, what do you say on Davis Riley this week? Yeah, I, I like Riley. I have no issues. He's a top 30 play for me in pretty much every iteration of how I ran my model. And um, when you look at some of these par four totals for this course, he graded inside the top 15 for me when looking specifically at the length of these holes. Yeah, and look... Davis Riley hasn't got a heap of form on course comps, so it's a small sample size, but he's played three course comps. Puerto Rico, he's finished 39th back in 2021. Again, his game was at a much different stage than it has been in 22 and 23. Then 2022, the Bermuda Championship, he finished 7th. Then in the Mexico Open, he finished 5th. So, I mean, it's pretty premium in terms of the, the course comps that you're getting, even though it is a very, very small um, sample size. So... Brandon Wu, it looks like, is the pick. I really like Brandon Wu this week. I think he's a, an excellent shout. Just he, He's one of these guys who's spoken quite openly about his love of pass Balam, that he just loves putting on the grass, that slowing down the, the putter for him really comes into play. So I, I think that he's a, an excellent pick, and we're seeing it with his huge number of top 10s at course comps this week. So <clears> Spence, <throat> I've got no complaints. I'm sure you don't have any complaints about Brandon Wu either, but who are you going with your fifth pick of the draft? So, obviously, I have a lot of money left at this point. Um, I'm going to go near the top here. Everything, pretty much every show that we do together, I always want to take Steven Yeager. I'm not going to go that route this week. I'm going to take Cameron Young. Uh I would take Jaeger if the build would have allowed me to get to Vincent Whaley. I think that would have been a nice way to round this out with Jaeger and Whaley. But I know we haven't seen Cameron Young so far during the fall season. But when you think of a wide open venue that should fit his game at a birdie course where he can rack up birdies and bunches. I think this is a, an interesting spot where the public is probably not going to play Cameron Young. At least he's going to probably be lower in ownership than the rest of the mix here. So I think it's a nice spot to get contrarian. 
Yeah, look, I, I quite like Cameron Young this week for the reasons that you outlined there. I think OB is going to get the majority of the ownership up top. So I do think you're going to get an ownership discount on him as well as a salary discount getting Cameron Young. It's one of these cases, right? We haven't seen him play since August. So a lot of people will be looking and be like, oh, like, you know, the second half of the year, like Cameron Young wasn't really on fire. But the guy hasn't played competitively for three months. So we have no idea what state his game's in. He could be just like absolutely killing it on the range and you're, you're just getting that value in terms of the, the ownership pivot there. So I, I do think he's a decent player this week. I think he's well worth including in your GPP um, pool, especially in larger contests. Maniac, your second to last pick. You need to find some savings somewhere. Where will you be putting that money? I'm going to go with a really risky pick here and go with Trevor Cohn. $6,300. He's third in the field in distance off the tee, and he's pretty darn solid from 150 to 200 yards on approach. So one of his biggest weaknesses is around the green, so he's not going to have that. Unfortunately, the other massive weakness is his putting, which we're going to have more of now. But, you know, the guy's going to be bombing it down the fairways. He's $6,300. He makes cuts at four out of ten times. He plays a golf tournament, it, and at $6,300, i will take that, right? So... It's a solid, a solid value play there, in my opinion, and then I can get myself to seventy six hundred dollars and just hope for the best from Trevor. Um, yeah, I look, I, I think that if you want to make your lineup different, uh, Trevor Cohn will certainly make your lineup different because he's not going to attract yeah. um, much ownership as as well. Um, certainly, if your your narrative is bombers, um, he'll match in nicely with um, Luke List and um, Ob there in terms of that narrative as well plenty of distance off the tee. He's not going to be in my player pool. I just think that his recent approach play is just really disconcerting for me. But he's a boom or bust character, right? Like, I mean, he can come out and finish top 10 or he can miss the cut completely. And for $6,300, I don't think that's the worst that you could look at within that range there. I might have actually gone Nicholas Echeverria down there at that price range as well. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously a previous winner on um, one of these courses uh, recently too. And I don't think he's been in necessarily the worst form at all. In terms of my two selections on the turn, Emiliano Grillo, one of my favorite plays at the top. And I sort of took a risk in terms of leaving him this late, but I didn't think that anyone else was going to go there. He was 10th recently at the Zozo Championship. Kind of like Luke Lewis, we started to see his putter come around, right? He's been this ultimate ball striker. The putter's really come right for him recently, and his course comps are just awesome. So his uh, Puerto Rico um, performances have been excellent. He's at a second, a third, and his 11th in his last three tries there. Then at Vedanta Vallarta, he finished 33rd and then 5th last year in his performances there. The Putacana, he's got a 6th and a 21st, so he's done very, very well at all of these um, pass ballon courses, and fine with these Argentinian players, right, Central America, South America, that they've played a lot of uh, pass ballon grass before, because you do find it a lot in these hot, humid conditions, so I do think he's going to like the grass, and we've seen his putter improve, so I think that he's got a lot of upside there. Final pick for me would be Chris <clears> Kirk. <throat> 16th and 29th towards the end of the season last year um, during the FedEx Cup playoffs. Another of these um, cases where he's going to be a lot off a lot of people's radar um, just simply because he hasn't played since the BMW Championship. I don't think that's a bad thing in terms of getting different in terms of ownership, but in terms of his performance, particularly at Kapalua, was what caught my eye. He's got a 7th, 16th, 14th, 24th on that course there. So he hasn't had the biggest aversion to playing on these tropical courses. Um, obviously, he's been down in Carbo for the last week as well, um, relaxing and getting into it. And um, I think coming off a season where he um, knocked off that win at the Honda Classic, I think that he's got a chance of coming up here and getting some upside. 
Byron, we're running a little over time, so I'll jump straight into your final pick. You've got seventy six hundred dollars. I think there's some really good options this week in the seven thousand dollar range. So where would you like to spend <clears> those dollars? Seventy six hundred, Sam Ryder. Give me one of the best iron plays in the field. He's one of the best iron plays from 150 to 200 yards. He's one of the worst drivers of the ball in the field. Not that big of a deal here. And then the rest of his game can just go from there. I feel like he's always underpriced. He makes tons of birdies. And he's one of my favorite golfers to play. Well, look, I mean, it's it's only right on the PGA Draftcast that Sam Ryder goes off the board, even without Joel here um, this week being Halloween. So Joel, we know, loves Sam Ryder at the moment. He is a cut-maker machine, um, so he is incredibly safe, it feels like. And he's got good comps as well. He's third at the Port Rico Open and second at the Punta Cana. So I do think that he's trending very, very nicely. I have some concern if, like, driving distance ends up being a big thing here, that he's not the longest off the tee. Throw that out there as well. But I think that he's um, he's a decent player this week. He's certainly going to be in my pool. Spence, any thoughts on Ryder? And we'll go into your final pick. And then audience, you'll need to start jumping in and putting your names in there. No, I'm fine with Sam Ryder as a consideration. And for my final pick, I will go with the second half of the C. Young brother tandem here. I will take Harson nice. Young. I know that there's some distance problems that he's going to bring to the table. It's kind of a similar answer that you just talked about, David, there with Sam Ryder. Obviously, he's a lot cheaper. The current form hasn't been exactly what you want with missed cuts at the Shriners and the Sanderson, but there's a lot of metrics inside my model. At least if I'm looking down in the $6,000 range, like there's probably, I don't know, five to seven guys that show any real semblance of upside for me. Carson Young would be one of them, and, and a lot of the majority of the guys are either not in my price range. Like I think a Ryan Palmer kind of fits that mix. A Carl Yuan. Those are players I cannot afford. Uh, Carson Young puts me right in that point of where it's, it's exactly what I can afford at that moment. So uh, he's been good at easy scoring courses. He's been good at easy to hit fairways. I'm going to bet on that upside, even if the recent form hasn't been great. I really like Carson Young this week. I think if if you're deciding and um, you've got Kelly Craft down there, you've got Carson Young, and I think they're both very, very viable options. Third at the Puerto Rico Open earlier this year and 15th at the Mexico Open as well. So I will throw that out there. And um, he did miss the cut pretty badly at the Shriners, but before that, he, he was on the number at the Sanderson and then uh, 19th at the Fortinet as well. So we've seen it with Carson Young before, right? Like around the green, kind of similar answer to what um, Byron gave earlier in the show. Around the green, we don't think it's going to be a massive um, factor here, just as it is for Hadley. It's the weakest part of Carson Young's game. If you've got these huge greens and, um, you know, we're not we're not expecting them to miss many greens, as I said, if that's that's what's happening, if you're missing heaps of greens, like, you're probably not making the cut anyway at this tournament, yeah. right? So I do love that from the upside pers- perspective. And uh, audience, Matt Kuchar, surprising pick for me. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know that I would have gone down this route. Um, do bear in mind, we're in a completely different course to Mayakoba. Like, if... Like, even though it's the same tournament by name, like, this course is, like, as polar opposite to Mayakoba for me as you could possibly get. So uh, that's a little bit interesting for me. Guys, what can you find on Matt Kutcher? Tell me, show me why I'm wrong. I, I'm completely fading Matt Kutcher this week. I, I'll take it first. I kind of like Matt Kutcher. Maybe it's from a contrarian sense of the answer. Like, if we look from, let's say, Dietrich down to... Kucher here. Like, I think Dietrich gets you unique. I think 
Kirk gets you unique. I think Keith Mitchell gets you unique. Obviously, those guys have more of that prototypical skill set that you would be hoping for at this venue. But I kind of think Kucher's been fine recently. Like, I know the stats are all over the place. If you look at it just from, like, the last 24 rounds, he is bright red on my model across the board here. But he's good on these slower, like, stickier textures of putting surfaces. Obviously, you're going to have to rely on the putter a little bit. Uh, the one important thing inside my model that kind of made me like him was just the jump that he saw on these easy to hit fairways. Like he's not going to be a guy that gives you a bunch of length, but he did jump inside the top 25 of my model when looking at these wide open tests historically. So, um, you know, I don't know what the upside actually is, but top 20 in my model and weighted scoring, like if nobody's going to play him, I think you could do worse. Yeah, I mean, look, that that's they're all very valid and, and interesting points. I just, I guess, I have some concerns in terms of being so different to Mike Hoover, where he has played well, whether people necessarily just like forget to look at like course form versus tournament form. You know, they just like plug like worldwide technology champ into their model and then um, get a whole bunch of data, which is just not relevant this week. That would be my concern in terms of any ownership that you get. Byron, anything to say on Matt Kucher, good or bad? Yeah, I got three things to say. Matt Kuchar is old. <clears throat> I think <laughs> the fact that he has had lots of time. If you take a look, he, he plays really well after a break. So I think he's had a lot of time since the 40 net. Played really well at the 40 after a break. He's also a really good par five scorer. There's four par fives. And he's also going to have to pay his caddy in Mexican pesos, which are a lot. You can get a lot more of those than dollars, right? So it's going to be a lot easier for him to, to really tip the caddy the good vibes are going to be just rolling there. So there's three really good reasons to play Matt Kuchar this week. I, I, I particularly like the uh, the caddy reason. I think that's probably the the prime reason uh, why you should play Matt Kuchar this week because that's uh, that's excellent. Hey, uh, we will take the draft board down. Those are your teams. They'll be posted on Twitter by Spencer. Spencer, if you can get those teams snapshotted and out onto the the Twitter sphere or x.com, whatever we're calling it nowadays, um, for everybody to enjoy. But before we go, the highlight of the week every week is the Wind Daily Sports first round leaders. We'll make sure that Spencer, that Spencer um, and myself drop those into the Wind Daily Discord and then we'll have a guest appearance from Sia. Make sure that he gets his selections in there as well. But before we start, we'll go to our special guest of the week who we're very grateful every time he, t- he joins even though he steals picks, even though he gives us shit about rugby results. Byron, first round leader, who are we looking at? Boys, thank you so much for having me on. Always love to be on the show with you guys. Peter Malmati, the guy just comes out of nowhere every now and then, 125 to 1. Sign me up for him. Henrik Norlander, 100 to 1. The guys, I really wanted to get him in my lineups. I think he's a great value in the DFS world as well um, on these kind of surfaces. Give me Henrik Norlander at 100 to 1. And then I wanted to also put in Peter Quest at 80 to 1. I like his chances. Eric Van Royen at 80 to 1. And then Sam Ryder at 75 to 1. And then there was one other guy that I wanted to do that I think was really weird. Um, sorry, boys. I had him lined up and I wanted to, Peter Quest. Did I just say Peter Quest? You did. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll just roll with those guys. Maybe throwing Davis Thompson at the same time. I think uh, those are all pretty solid picks outside of 50 to 1. Nice. I mean, look, and, and with those names that you named, you've named eight guys, <laughs> but they're all priced like super high. Oh, yeah. And I don't think this is the the type of tournament where you necessarily can be 
opposed to that sort of strategy, right? Because it, it is such a wide open field other than like perhaps Obia and maybe like Tagala and Young, right? Like after them, what's the difference really between a lot of these like AK guys to like even the high 6Ks, the drop off in, in form is, is not as drastic as you perhaps see week to week. So definitely interesting to go and grab some big numbers. Spence, who are you looking at for your first round leader? Yeah, I think that that's, I think any strategy this week makes sense. I, I decided to go the opposite route. I went near the top of the board with my three choices. Cameron Young, 33 to one. You can price shop and find that number out there. Uh, Steven Yeager, 40 to one. Bo Hostler, 40 to one. Nice. There you go. I like Bo. Um, I like Bo first round. Yeah, Bo, Bo can certainly go out um, and shoot a low first round. He was first round leader um, very recently as well. So do bear that in mind that he's um, recently been getting hot starts um, on Thursday. I've got one from the top of the board, and it's actually the only choice that I've got from the afternoon with Zarkshay Batia. Give him at 45 to 1 for first round leader. So considering that he's been cut into 30 to 1 for the, the tournament, you might get a bit of value at 45 to 1 for the first round lead. The rest of my guys are going from the morning. I'm not necessarily seeing a huge edge between morning and afternoon. The wind looks pretty consistent throughout the day. Um, it's just going to be pretty steady. It is a very exposed course, but there's not super high winds so far in my models. The reason I'll probably favour the morning would just be in case of any firmness or dryness that you're going to get as the day goes on, because it is going to be hot and sunny. So if the course ends up getting a lot firmer, maybe it ends up a little bit harder in terms of getting close to those pins. Hopefully you're still hitting the greens because the greens are just huge. So in terms of my morning guys, I've got four. I'm back up Michael Kim at 70 to 1. I've got Harry Hall, the Brit, at 80 to 1. Eric Van Royen, I've only got 66 to 1, but I think there might be some 80 to 1 out there in the States as well. So do have a shop around on that number if you can find something better than 66 to 1. All power to you. And finally, just the triple figure old, someone we haven't spoken about in quite some time, but a favorite of the show, Austin Smotherman. Austin Smotherman can go out there and shoot really low. Triple figure rods, I think, is generous on him, and he's played very well at, col- at tropical courses previously. That's the show. That's a wrap. Those are our first round leaders. As I said, Sega will be in the Discord at Wind Daily Sports, so make sure you signed up to Premium. We've got that promo, which ends on Monday. It's the best deal we've had all year. $9.99 a week is insane value. That's not just access to golf. That's NFL, college, basketball, everything. All of our sports are in there. English Premier League, if you like football, jump in there. We've got some great guys um, working on that as well. So <clears throat> everything, single sports covered. Guys, anything I've missed this week? No, I mean, happy Halloween to everybody out there who's made it this far into the show. Uh, David, a little disappointed that you did not dress up with us, but uh, exciting show as always. Yeah, I miss I miss the memo about dressing up as a as a faux rapper. I did didn't miss that. Um, but Kanye West will be back next week. Um, I'm gonna be traveling overseas, so I'm gonna be um actually in the Middle East for a couple of weeks. Um, part of that I'm gonna be at the Deep World Tour Championship for a day or two. So I'll make sure that in the Wind Daily Discord I'm posting some pics and um dropping some um, intel if I do find anything when I'm around the course. But other than that, there's only one thing to do, and that's sports.